Come on. How about you stay standing? We'll pray. Father God, I just thank you for today. I, I thank you that this is a day where we, we celebrate the women of the house. Lord God, we celebrate what you've done for us too. And Lord God, today I pray a blessing over each and every one of us. And Lord, today I pray that you give us wisdom and understanding. Lord, and a revelation that we can take home and apply to our life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. If you can grab a seat, that'd be great. Just to let you know that that Future Hope Conference is Josh has decided to step out and do it himself. And so as a campus, we've decided, hey, let's, let's back him and let's go on this. And uh, who's surprised that he's actually going to be speaking on Revelation? Uh, it just always sneaks in there somewhere. So I think it's just his excuse just to actually just speak on Revelation. <laughs> so, no, it's going to be phenomenal. Um, but this morning I, I was uh, thinking about, about my message, and, and really it's just going to be a, a cultural message, one on culture. And, um, and as I was pondering over this week, uh, I was thinking motherhood, and I was thinking parenting, and I was thinking all these things. And, and when you become a parent, who knows? that you seem to be pouring your life out all the time. Like, you know those moments where you just sit back and you think you're entitled to a cup of coffee? Or that green tea? Or the Earl Grey? And you sit down, the kettle is just boiled, you've got five seconds to spare. Well, you think you've got half an hour, but that half an hour turns into five microseconds. You have a, a biscuit, a Tim Tam of course because it's from heaven, <laughs> and you sit down and you take the first sip and next minute you've got beady eyes right there. Anyone with small kids would know this. You thought you would put them to bed. You thought they were in their cot. You thought they couldn't escape. However, Houdini is back. I, I was at home and I'm like, our, our Judah, he's four and a half, and then uh, I've got Jesse. But with Jesse, we've actually put him into a big bed and he's only two. And we had to put him into a big bed because he would always get out of the cot. And so these moments where you think you're entitled to this moment of peace, all of a sudden there's eyes and there's chocolate. Who knows the voice? Can I have some? I want some chocolate. Chocolate. It's like, I just sat down. But who knows, as a parent, you're always pouring yourself out. You're always at a place where you're just pouring out to others. And sometimes we're like, oh. But I believe this, as Christians, we are called to pour out into others. I believe it is an attitude that we should always have that we're always ready, that we're always in a moment of pouring out. Sometimes you mightn't feel like it, but sometimes I find that at those moments is the time where as we pour out and go beyond the moment of, ah, oh, is where God blesses us the most. You read through the Scriptures and you see every biblical character within the Scripture in their life poured out unto others, poured out into others. And that's why you know who they are. That's why you hear their names in the Bible because they didn't sit back and just was entitled to 
but moved beyond themselves and poured into those around them. You look at the Apostle Paul. In 2 Timothy 4, verse 6 and 7. I know I've chucked you out here, but let's go. Have you got it? Yep. It says this, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And in the time of my departure is at hand, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. I look at the Apostle Paul, he had said that he made the statement, I have poured myself out. I have poured myself out as a drink offering. As a drink offering. Paul, he'd finished his race. He'd kept his faith. He'd fought the good fight. How many of you are right now pouring out your life into those around you? How many of you right now are are finishing the race, are are keeping the faith and fighting the good fight? Or are you sometimes escaping to that moment of with your cup of tea and your Tim Tam and sitting back Paul knew what it was to give of himself. I believe this is that being poured out is an act of your will and not of your emotions. Who knows, as a parent, sometimes you don't feel like doing anything. Has anyone been like that? Mum's in the house. I was talking to a few mums as they walked through the door and they're cheering. They're like, yeah, we got breakfast in bed. We didn't have to get up. The guys finally did something. You know, sometimes you get to this moment and it's like, I I don't feel like this. I I don't feel like doing that. I I don't feel like feeding you kids. I don't feel like going to work. But you know, sometimes it just has to be an act of the will. No, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to push through and this is what it's going to take. But unfortunately, somehow, if we're not careful, entitlement creeps in. As I think about being poured out, I always come back to the scripture of King David. One of my favorite scriptures in the Bible is because he's got three mighty men with him in this time in a cave and they're held up. And he just whispers this one statement. Oh, would I give, what would I give for a drink from the well? Oh, what would I give for a drink? And these three guys, they hear him of where he wants this water from. And they decide to take it upon themselves, break through enemy lines, go down and dip and get water and they bring it back to David. But I love David's response. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn to it. 2 Samuel 23, verse 14. It says, And David was then in the stronghold, and the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. And David said longingly, Oh, that someone would give me a drink of the water from the well in Bethlehem by the gate. 
And the three mighty men broke through the army of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem by the gate and brought it to David. But he would not drink of it, but he poured it out to the Lord. And he said, be it far from me, O Lord, to drink this. Is it not the same as the blood of the men who went out to risk at, at the risk of their lives? So he would not drink it, and those things did the three mighty men. I look at this, and I think it's an amazing thing as you look at David, and it, it dawned on me is that these guys had just broken through just to get him a drink. And they offer it to him, and he has this drink, And what he does is he just pours it back out onto the ground as an offering to God. And I love this scripture because there's a few things in this scripture that that stick out to me. The first thing is, is that he just whispered what he wanted and three men went and did it for him. It wasn't even an order. It was just something upon his heart. And they grabbed hold of that and they ran and they they took it and they went back and they, they gave it to They risked their own lives for water. For a, for a moment that their king wanted something. But he takes hold of it and then he pours it out. How would you feel if you were one of the three? What are you doing? Just pours it out. He pours it out to God. But as I was thinking about that, is that he was actually king. He was actually entitled to drink the water. He was actually entitled to drink the water. For some of us, we sit there and our our kids are there, but we're entitled to this moment, but somehow we just pour it out. You think about entitlement. Is that entitlement says that I deserve this. Do you know who I am? David could have said that. I deserve this. Do you know who I am? Who's ever been like that at work? Got a little trainee, comes up, gives you a little cheek. Do you know who I am? A little, you know, you know what I'm talking about, a little 15-year-old. It's just like if we were like 20 years earlier, we could have just gone... Do you, know, do you know who I am? You know, I find this that it's self-seeking, it's self-orientated, it's self-gratification. Entitlement culture tells us we have the right to, 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 uh, to material abundance, comfort, with zero problems and a nice house. Sometimes we can think that. Some of us right now are saying, you know, I don't have a problem with entitlement. The problem is I don't get everything I want. I got no problem with entitlement. I just don't get everything I want. Yeah, consumerism plays on entitlement. You know, ads have statements like, you owe it to yourself. Whoever sits there and you're like, you owe it to yourself. And you're like, yeah, I owe it to myself. And some of the ladies call their husband over. Listen to this. They say you, you deserve it. Or the greatest catch line ever. 
because you're worth it. You all know the ads. You all sit there with your cup of tea and you're like, I am worth it. And we come to this thing where entitlement just starts to creep in and sometimes we don't even realise it. Sometimes we look at those things and we say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, they're saying, you're, you're entitled, just take it. Our entitlement attitude is fed daily through the media. You know, internet, radio, TVs, billboards. Entitlement attitude can impact our lives in many ways. And so today, uh, I want to look at this. I want to have a look. Is that you've got King David. He was entitled to this cup. He was king. He was entitled to many things. But yet somehow he, he poured it out. Like Paul, he, he come to a place where I, I pour myself out as an offering. I, I believe as Christians, we are called to pour ourselves out. We are not called to hold back but we are called to pour ourselves out. What separates privilege from entitlement is gratitude. You look at Jesus, he talks about an entitlement attitude. If you have a look in Matthew 7.22, We, got, we haven't got that one. Matthew 7.22, it says, Knowing the correct password, saying master, master, for instance, isn't going to get you anywhere with me. What is required is serious obedience, doing what my Father wills. I can see it now at the final judgment, thousands strutting up to me and saying, Master, we preached the message, we, we bashed the demons Our God-sponsored projects had everyone talking. And do you know what I'm going to say, he says? You missed the boat. All you did was use me to make yourselves important. You don't impress me one bit. You're out of here. I, I believe this is an entitlement will never get you into the kingdom of God. Obedience will. Obedience will. And that's why I can say that what separates privilege from entitlement is gratitude. Is that David had come to this place and he pours it out, but he pours it out in gratitude to what God had given him. Who God was within his life. Is that I believe this, and my first point is this, is we are called to pour into people. As we are called to pour into people, you look at friendships. Is it John 15, 13? It says, Greater love has no one than this than to lay one's life down for his friends. We are called to pour into people. We are called to pour into those around us. Think about your friendships right now. Do you pour into those friends around you? Or do your friends just pour into you? Come on, you know those people, those friends. It's like, they just drain you. 
Yeah, it, sometimes if you have friends like that, sometimes it's time to find new ones. <laughs> but then you've got some people saying, well, you know, I, I've come into church, I, I can't find any friends. What, you're looking for friends? What do you mean you can't find a friend? You're not supposed to find friends, you're supposed to make friends. There's a difference. What, have you been looking under the chairs? Where have you been looking? Like, like make friends. Turn to the person next to you after this service is finished and, hey, how's this? Talk to them. Oh, face to face, not on Facebook. That's next level there. But we're supposed to make friends. We're supposed to, you know, do your friends take from you or do they give to you? Do they add value to you? Do they add purpose? I believe this, is that as you're pouring into people, and and this is the thing we've got to realise, is that a genuine friend always moves in a positive and mutual beneficial direction. Your friendship should always be moving you into your God-given potential. And if your friendships are doing that, you know what? You should be with your friends, moving them into their God-given potential as well. If they're holding you back for what God has for your life, well then, I doubt whether they're really good friends at all. Whoa. Did you just go there? Honestly, some of it, and I reassess all my friendships as well every 12 months. Whoa. Some people are like, am I on the list? <laughs> if you're checking, no. But sometimes we just need to take stock of who's in our life. Who am I pouring into? Who's pouring into me? It's like the old saying, who you hang around is who you become like. You just can't get away from that saying. I've tried. I've tried to figure something else out. It's not working, but that's it. Your mum was right. My mum was right. My grandma, I lived with her for a while. And I remember she's, she's Dutch, so she would always speak her mind. And my curfew was 10 o'clock every night of the week. Even weekends. I was 19. <laughs> and I remember her telling, and I, I would be home. At 10, for fear of something, God, my grandma. But I remember she would sit down, Sam, those girls are no good. I'm like, it's the youth group. (laughs) She would sit in church and eye off every girl. No, 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 no. I'm like, I'm not even going out with anyone. So? But for some of us, do your friendships have purpose? We have to cultivate them. You don't find friends, we make friends. Help each other reach God's full potential for your life and theirs, kingdom purposes. We pour ourselves out into others, husband and wives. I believe this is important for a healthy marriage is that we are called to pour ourselves 
out into our spouses. Guys, let me give you a tip. What's hers is hers and what's yours is hers. Learn that now. It saves a lot of arguing. But we are called to pour it out. We are called to lay down our life. When we are married, we, we lay down our life. And, and this is what I love about a Christian marriage is what we're saying is we're coming together. We're going to lay our life down together as one and we're going to lay it down for your kingdom, God, for your purposes. You're going to be the centerpiece in our relationship. And I will go there. Some people talk about marriage. Some people talk about the stance of marriage. I don't care if we believe marriage is between a man and a woman, a Christian one, it just means God's in the center of it. And so for me, no matter whether you're getting married and you're a non-believer, and I will go there, is I believe that God just has to be the center. I, I don't, you know, the world is trying to redefine it and that, but to me, when it comes to marrying people, I just want to know, are they Christians first? Because if they're Christians, then I can say, you know what? God will bless this marriage. God will bless this marriage. I don't believe in receiving funds for marrying people. I don't really believe in marrying non-Christians. Because if we believe it is an act of God, then it's before God within the life of our church. And so I never want to get caught up on any political genuine. All I want to know, do you believe in God? Will God be the centre? And if God's the centre, then you'll pour yourself out into those around you. If you read through and, and you take the vows and you do those things that said God created marriage for mutual companionship, friendship and comfort between a man and a woman where they should help each other in the way no one else can. If you go through and read Corinthians, it's all there. It's a covenant to sustain and strengthen each other's faith. What we've got to realise this. Listen. Married couples. Anyone wanting to get married. The key is this. You're on the same team. You're on the same team. You're there to strengthen each other, guard each other, develop each other in others' potential, in spirit, soul and body, committing yourself and caring and honouring each other. Honouring each other. Honouring each other. I, I love what I tell some of the couples is uh, at the end of a ceremony, I'll, I'll always say this. I'll say, guard this woman who now commits her life to your safekeeping. And I'll always chuck in there, till death. Until death. Not till hard times. You know, strive to live in the Lord so that no word, thought or action of yours will bring her grief. Make her glad that you are a husband. Make her glad, happy. I should leave that, it's getting a bit heavy. 
Make her glad. Make her glad. Second point is this, is that we are called to pour into the next generation. I believe this is we are called to pour into the next generation. Is that we're called to pour into our friends. We're called to pour into others. We're called to pour in, but we're called to pour into the next generation. I was going through Instagram and I, I follow a guy in the States, uh, Bishop Dale Bronner. And uh, he, he put up this, this Instagram statement and I was like, wow, can I even say that in church? I thought, yeah. It says this, it says, wealthy people plan for three generations, poor people plan for Saturday night. Oh, that stung. I... I I was thinking of that statement and I was like, man, I would love to just change the words. A wise man or a wise person plans for three generations, but a fool just plans for Saturday night. Is that I believe we are supposed to look for the generations to come. We are supposed to set up for the generations to come. We're supposed to pour ourselves out into the generation to come. And I don't know about you, but it's just not financially that we're supposed to pour out. Some people read that statement and they're like, wow, okay, they just stock up all this money and then so it lasts three generations. No, it's the principles they put in their kids that are coming through. That's why I reckon it's a wise man. It's because you can have all the money in the world but still be poor. You can have all the money in the world but still be poor. Just have a look at Prince and his life. Now they're fighting over his estate. He didn't even have a will. He didn't even have a plan. We think, oh, they've got it made. They they might look as though they have it made, but what have they actually done? What, What have they put in? Proverbs 13, 22, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. But the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. I, I love this moment where King David, he, he pours it out to the ground. So I believe within him, he, he knew this. Is he knew that as he poured it out, it wasn't for him, it was for the generations to come. He had kingdom purposes around his life. You know, David knew that he wasn't going to build the temple. And if you read through the scriptures, David had a desire to build the temple of the Lord. He had a desire to worship God all the days of his life. But because there was too much blood on his hands, because he was a king and he brought peace to the place, God said, you know, you won't build it, but the next generation will. And so for him, he didn't take this thing of entitlement. Well, you know what? I'm just going to not be part of it and just do what I want right now. He instead turned around and he stored up for the future generations. If you read through some of the scriptures, is that he actually stored up the wealth to build the temple, but he also designed the blueprint for the next generation. And what I find is this, is that if you have a dream, a plan, and a purpose for your life, and you're pouring out into others, they will pour out into the dream and purpose that God has put on your heart too. 
is that David would just whisper and three mighty men, go and grab him a drink. When it comes time to build the temple of the Lord, when it comes time to gather the stock, to fill the storehouses, to put the plan together, when it comes time at the end of David's day, he stores it all up. And hundreds of millions of dollars of materials were just waiting for the next generation with the plan. If you read some of the accounts, and some people have worked it out today, is that David's personal offering would have topped that of $1.2 billion. But I love the next bit is that his mighty men, those that had his heart, that had kingdom purposes around their heart, on top of that, responded with another $1.8 billion. Setting up for generations, I believe we are called to not just set up, you know, materialistic, but spiritually. But spiritually, David passed away, Solomon comes, the wisest. Where did he get his wisdom from? He had wisdom beyond his years. Who would have taught him? Who would have he have watched? Who would he have seen? He, he would have been watching his parents. He would have been watching those around going in and out. He would have been listening to some of the advice. He would have been in the earshot of some of the decisions made as a young one. And he goes on. My question is this, is what blueprint will you leave edged into the hearts of the next generation? What blueprints? What will you leave edged into their heart? What are you going to pour out into their heart? into their life? What are you going to teach them? What what are you going to speak? What are you going to whisper to them at night as they they lay down and, and you lay down with them and you start to pray over them and you start to speak destiny, hope and purpose into their life? I think Carolina has probably told you, myself a number of times, is sometimes for us to put our kids to bed will take an hour. We have four kids. But it is one of the most valuable times of the day. Why? Because it's a time where we can speak into their life. It's a time where we whisper a hope, we whisper a future, we whisper destiny. I remember we had one of our kids, I won't name him because you know them all. But, but one had this, this thing where she... Okay, it's one out of two. Wait. Okay, she would come home a few years ago. And she's going through this stage of identity and stage of, you know, I'm not worth it. I, I'm no good at this. I, I can't do that. I'm just not good. I'm just not like the other one. I'm just, and this doubt was setting in. And, and so for us, when it comes time to put them to bed, as a Carolina mostly, and then every now and then, I will lay with it and we will speak life, we'll speak hope. Hey, you are amazing. You have potential within your life. You are beautiful. You are clever. 
You have wisdom. You have understanding. And we will speak those things. No, no, no. We'd get that for about a week. No, no. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. But then slowly, as she drifted off to sleep, she'd be like, yes, yes. And we always pray with them. And even our younger one now, Jesse, it's so cool. I, I, I lay down with him for a, a few, if he could, an hour, but I try to get away. But you just lay down and you just lie with me and you pray. But then I'll just say, Jesse is awesome. And he'd repeat back, that is awesome. <laughs> Jesse is amazing. That is amazing. I love you, Jesse. I love daddy. And I'm like, oh, mate, this is good for my soul. <laughs> But some of those things, what are you implanting? What are you putting in to the next generation? What I give to my children and what I do for my children is not as important as what I leave in them. This is why I chose to speak this on Mother's Day is because I believe mothers are a key. Women of the house are a key to this. Is at a young age, there's a connection between a mother and a child. And I believe that mothers whisper these things into their kids. They, they speak these things over their, their young ones. Children have the front row seats to their parents' lives. Do you know that? Children have a front row seat to your life. Pretty scary, isn't it? What does your life look like right now? I'm not talking about public life. What are they watching? What are they watching? What are they watching when they go home today? What are they hearing when they go home today? What, what, are, they, what are they taking in? Or is it just a show? The show of public? The reality of private? And they're watching and they're like, something's not adding up here. Something, and sometimes we wonder, why is our kid over there doing that? Maybe public and private don't match. Okay, I'll move on. Or is our real life adventure? Or is our real life an adventure where they see courage? and passion to overcome personal obstacles. I, I love this, is that I get to teach my kids how to overcome personal obstacles. I, I get to teach my kids the courage that it is to live through life, the, the way it is to be passionate about the things of God, our lifestyle, the way we do life. And I pray that your kids see the same when they go home. Is this, is that we are called to pour out into the next generation. My last point this morning, just quickly, if I get the keys up, is that poured out is a revelation of gratitude. Poured out is a revelation of gratitude is that when you pour out into someone else's life, you're saying, I am grateful that you're in 
my life. When you pour out into those around you, it's, it's an attitude of gratitude for what God has given you. It's saying, God, I thank you for what I have. I thank you for all that I am. I thank you for who you are in my life. And I am grateful for that. And because I'm grateful for that, I'm going to pour out into those around me. I'm going to pour out into my friends. I'm going to pour out into my marriage. I'm going to pour out into the generation to come. I'm not going to be one that is just entitled to sit back and take everything and say, thank you. But I'm going to strive to move forward, and even though it's inconvenient, even though it's hard. When you drink the cup of entitlement, that's all it will ever be. You think about it, you drink this right now. It's all it will ever be. But if you take the same thing and tip it out onto a seat, Tip it out onto a plant. What happens? You want to see relationships grow around your life? Pour out. If you want to see God move in those around you, pour out. If you want to see your family come to God, then pour out. Pour out gratitude for who they are. Pour out that they're in your life. They mightn't be walking with God. Be be grateful that you have a relationship. Be grateful that you can speak to them. You can hug them. You can kiss them. Be grateful for the moments that you have. Let God take care of the rest. Pour out. Pour out. David saw it was a privilege to be the protector, the king of Israel. When you look at David's actions, he thanked God out of a revelation. The revelation was this, is who am I to deserve this? He was never supposed to be king. He was the son of Jesse. He was out with the sheep. But God needed to find a new king. A king with a heart after his own. And from the very start, David wasn't scared to pour out. The moment between David and Goliath, he he poured out again. It could have been his blood pouring out. He knew that. This could be the end of my life, but you know what? I'm going to trust you, God. I'm going to stand there. You had the king that was supposed to be the protector, that was supposed to be on the battlefield that day. But he was like, you know what? I'm entitled to an army. I'm entitled to someone to stand up. Let's send someone else out. And his moment passed right there. Entitlement will rob you of your destiny. Yeah, but I'm entitled. You may be, but again, that's all it'll ever be. God, your grace has brought me to this place. David, 
knew that, that his grace, his resolve in his heart was this, is all that I have, all that I am, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. The gospel message I I love. I, I love the power of grace. Because grace destroys entitlement and brings forth honour and gratitude. Some people would say that you're entitled to salvation. We're actually not entitled to anything. But through His grace, but through His grace, with gratitude, we can step in. Going back to the start, you've got those guys running around. They end up at the gates of heaven. Sorry, I did not know you. But we preached in your name. We cast our demons in your name. But did you do my will? We are obedient. Today, will you pour out into those around you? Just as our Saviour poured out just as our Saviour poured out. Remembering the Last Supper in Matthew 14, 23. And Jesus sat there and he, have we got that on the screen? No. He sat there and taking the chalice, which is the cup, he gave it to them, thanking God. And they all drank from it. And he said this, he said, this is my blood, God's new covenant, poured out for many people. I look at Jesus, he was a king. He was entitled to rule and reign, but he still poured out his blood for you and I, his grace, his mercy, so that we could step in to the throne room of God. I don't know everyone here this morning, but I want to give you an opportunity to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour. Sometimes maybe you've been coming for years or maybe you've grown up in church and, and you haven't made that decision. You haven't taken hold of the opportunity just to have a relationship so that Jesus can pour out into your life. Is that He died on a cross so that He could pour out into those that just seek Him. They would just respond. And the only thing that we need to do to respond is just believe and say, God, I, I believe in You, Jesus. I believe You died and You rose again. And God, I know that there is sin in my life. And sin is this, it's just something. It's what separates you from God. And as soon as we acknowledge that, He pours out His grace. He pours out His mercy. Over that sin, which in turn, you can restore a relationship with God. This is what I find is that when we have a true relationship with God, we don't want to go back to any sin.
We don't want to go back. And so this morning, if you could bow your heads, close your eyes, I want to give someone an invitation. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, if you don't know God, I would love to pray with you this morning. Just as everyone's eyes are closed and heads are bowed, if you want to be included in this prayer, I'd just love for you just to lift your hand quickly while I'm looking through. Just over the side. Lord, Father God, you see our hearts. You see our motives. Lord God, today I pray that as you pour out your grace and your mercy, that we take hold of it with both hands. Lord God, whether, whether we've been coming to church for years or maybe just set foot in this building right now, I, I pray that where we sit, we, we grab hold of your grace. Lord God, we grab hold of your mercy as you poured out for us so that we could enter into relationship with God. Today, I pray that you strengthen that relationship. Lord God, as we believe upon you today, pour out your presence and your mercy. Lord God, send your spirit as a guarantee in our lives so that we could live to our potential, so that we could pour out into those around us, so that we could show your grace, your mercy. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Come on, let's give.